0: And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at richarddugan.com. We also podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. We also are on Player FM, as well as Blueberry and a whole bunch of others that people are linking us to. And thank you so much for doing that. I greatly appreciate that. Spreading the word about what we're trying to accomplish here, and that is... Short and simple, we're trying to change the world, okay? And we're going to do that uh, one interview at a time, one program at a time, one podcast at a time, uh, to uh, provide you with choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true, looking for those new ways of living so that we can all, all of us, 7.9 billion, can pursue their life's purpose and uh, be the best that they can be. So I hope that you will join us in that endeavor. We also encourage you to uh, go to our guest website. All you have to do on the SoundCloud. Uh, a player is uh, click on the grocery cart and that takes you to our guests website where you can continue your evolutionary process and we're very excited about the fact that we are going to be linked to our guests website on this program and we're going to also encourage you if you like what we're doing if you'd like to be a part of it financially we have paypal and patreon accounts that are uh, i use those because they're much more secure and uh, you can support us financially but you know what we'll take energetic support too so in whatever Whatever way that you can. And if you have ideas for this program, I'd love to hear them. If you have guests you think would be appropriate and uh, have great concepts and methods and uh, techniques and so forth for making their lives better and, in that case, sharing with others, hey, send me an email, TMYS. That's for tell me your story, TMYS at RichardDugan.com. Today, we are going to get rid of stress. Unless, of course, you don't have stress in your life, which is possible. Maybe you don't. I don't know. And if you don't have any stress in your life, some would probably say you're probably dead, <clears throat> but uh, maybe not. Maybe you found those techniques. I know that our guests uh, have written a book who uh, that uh, talks about writing. You can write your stress away. Tame the tension in your life. Diane Price and Susan McCullum are my guests, and thank you, ladies, for joining us here on the program.
1: Thanks Thank for you
0: for, for having me with you. Well, I tell you, I just violated the very rule I <laughs> set forth uh, to to <laughs> to avoid talkovers. Be that as it may, Diane uh, Diane Price, you are the uh, co author with uh, Susan uh, of Write Your Stress Away, and so I'm going to start with you and ask you. So, <clears throat> since the writing of this book, uh, since you have made this available to the general public. Um, Are you stress-free now? Have you been writing enough to where now you have no more stress in your life? I continue to
2: use our writing method, Richard, and it helps me to identify the root of my stress, and it helps me to choose what's the best complementary stress management tool that goes with it. So without it, I would be more stressed. I don't know that any of us will ever be completely stress-free.
0: How about you, Susan? Uh, uh, you you obviously have put this together with uh, with Diane, and I know that uh, on the one hand, you could say that you're a victim uh, because of the stre- You know, because you have stress because it's the outside world that um, that is causing you the stress. But is that really the case?
1: Well, I would say that the outside world contributes to it, but certainly um, I think I could create some of my own stress too um, by being um, maybe a little bit uh, anxious about um, certain things in my life. Um, I think that the writing, like Diane said earlier, has been very helpful because it gets to the root cause of my stress and Gives me an option for dealing with it, you know, by setting some goals and envisioning what life would be without that stress, and then trying to make it into my reality. So the the writing um, helps to ease that sort of undercurrent of twenty first century stress that I think runs rampant throughout all of our lives.
0: One of the issues that i have observed over the last 40 years and i'm 59 so since i was 19 uh has been this transition uh through these different phase psychological phases and in the 80s We were victims because our parents, it was their fault that we were the way that we are, and we blamed them. And then in the 90s, we began to uh, begin the process of taking responsibility and realizing they did the best they could uh, and that it was really us. I've noticed that here in the late teens of the 21st century, we're back to victimhood again. Is that part of the problem, is that that, that this whole concept that it's somebody else's fault— that we as individuals are where we are, it's somebody else's fault that we as a state or a nation are where we are, uh, has crept back into our... uh, The word that comes to mind is zeitgeist. And I don't know why, but there you go. Uh, Diane, would you address that first?
2: Sure. So I think what we're getting at is sometimes we are... Feeling like victims at other times not um, and that is part is the crux of the issue um, stress takes many forms and at this point in time there is so much stress that we're all living with uh, it's in our face in the news um, you know school shootings politics um, just the state of the world et cetera. You layer on top of that, as you mentioned, transitions in life as we go through life and as we uh, mature and have different life changes, um, um, as our relationships change, uh, digital overload. I mean, just think about today versus 20 years ago in terms of walking around with a cell phone in your hand. Um, and then health issues. Do you have a chronic health issue? Do you have an uh, episodic health issue? Back to the victim thing, you know, some people can have a chronic issue and take a victim stance and, and not really get to an acceptance point of it. So um, my point in, in saying all that is that we can create stress for ourselves. We can take a victim stance. But the one thing we know in life is that the only thing we can really change is the way we look at things, what attitude we take toward it, and what we do about it. And the writing method that we've created, Write to Be Well, takes four different types of writing and helps you to very simply tell your story. In this moment, when you're 59 years old, What are you, what's your story? Your story might have been different 20 years ago. Your story might have been different two days ago. Mm -hmm. Today, what's your story? And expressing that the events about your story right now and the emotions that you're feeling with that story. And then to the next step of our writing method is about um, deciding what do you value and what do you want your story to look like in the future. Because you're feeling like a victim. You feel like things are closing in. That's an attitudinal adjustment. It's not a physical thing. You're feeling like a victim. Um, The third step is coming up with a plan of what you're going to do about it. And the fourth step is using reflective writing to um, really assess, are you confident in the change you need to make to get out of this stuck place that you're in? Now, granted, some people perhaps are victims. There are some people with genetic disorders and diseases that are guaranteed to happen, and they might be victims. But we also like to talk about somebody like Christopher Reeve, um, who played Superman years ago and also had a spinal injury, who physically was a victim of the injury, but emotionally and psychologically and what he did in the world was inspire other people because he didn't he didn't hold on to that victim stance. So we use that as an example of someone who chose to overcome the victimness, if you will, um, by taking a different outlook on life and shifting the attitude. And our right to be well method is something that helps you to do that. Whether you're dealing with a big, hairy, audacious problem or whether this particular day you had two people try to run you off the road and you're stressed out about it, and you're, all you need to do is figure out, you know, what's the route I'm going to take to get from here to there that I'm not going to be stressed out.
0: Susan, you're a so,
1: long-winded answer.
0: Okay, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. We have plenty of time. Susan, uh, your perspective.
1: Well, to, um, one thing I'd like to add to what Diane said is that, When we feel like we're a victim, it's often because we feel like we've lost control over some aspect of our life, and um, we believe that through the writing, you can gain control once again over something that seems like it has just sort of spiraled out of control, Uh, because the writing helps you focus on what's going on and what you can do about it. So putting that control back into your life helps to ease the sense of victimhood. And another example that comes to mind about someone who has uh, changed their perspective on life, um, I don't know if you are familiar with the Shriners Hospital advertising on television that we see a lot of the uh, young children who are... Um, severely disabled, and their spokesman is a, a young man called Alec. Yes. I don't know his last name mm-hmm. right now. And um, I saw an interview with him recently. He's like 17 or 18 years old now, and um, has lived with this um, disability where his bones are uh, can easily break, and yet he has. A, a perfectly wonderful attitude, and um, his story is inspirational. You know, in in spite of the fact that he suffers with his disability. So, you know, we kind of think of um, the continuum of health, where I'm saying on the left end of the continuum is, is an illness, and on the right side of the continuum is a healthy outlook. And even though we're dealing with an illness or a stress, or something that where we feel out of control, we can sort of move ourselves up that bar on the continuum to a state of wellness by changing our attitude, um, writing about what, where we feel we're lost, and trying to put ourselves, um, give ourselves a new perspective of wellness.
0: You know, I saw that interview uh, of this young man, and it was quite remarkable. Uh, especially the uh, part where he was uh, doing some television program and his parents were there, and uh, he was basically wanting to thank them and tell them he loved them, and he just couldn't hold it together. He broke down and was crying, and so, of course, were his parents, which is a beautiful thing that, that his his parents, they knew of this brittle bone disease that he had even before he was born. So they knew that they had a, they had a challenge coming ahead. They just didn't know what it was really going to look like and yet, here's a young man who has made a difference in the lives of so many adults, let alone children, because I know that um, he hangs out at the St. Hosp- the, uh, the Jude's Hospitals with the kids to, to encourage them, you know, you're going to make it through, it'll be all right, you know, and I wonder what your thoughts are, and I'll shift over to Diane now, this, I've, I've heard this said many times. And it frustrates the bejeebers out of me because I was a kid who was bullied in school, and I remember getting out of school and when I went uh, when I graduated and moved on into the 80s and so forth. And then all of a sudden, I started hearing stories about bullying in school, and I thought, wait a minute, that was back in the 70s. We're, we're supposed to be through with that, you know? Well, I was through with it from that standpoint, but apparently, the rest of the world wasn't. And someone has has made this comment. That it's these kinds of things that they're good because they help to build character. And my thought is, you're telling me there isn't a better way to build character than to be bullied? Please, you know, please talk to us about... Uh, th- there are challenges like this young man Alex is facing. He's sort of being bullied by his body, so to you know what I'm saying? Which he has right. no control over. But you know other human beings being mean to one another and and then there's that other aspect of it okay fine you say that it's okay for a bully to be a bully in school how do you feel about that same child growing up as an adult and doing exactly the same thing to adults now it's a crime now it's a, so why isn't it a crime when this kids a ch- when it's a child but let's talk about this character building um I'm going to call it myth that is, is being perpetuated by uh, uh, quite a number of people. Uh, Diane. So,
2: yes. Yes. So um, personally, I don't, well, I guess it depends on, uh, I'd like to understand more what, what the thinking behind character building is. Um, from my perspective, It's an unacceptable behavior to be unkind in a bullying way to any human being, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. And um, that is, unfortunately, something that people need to um, understand. Um, I believe some of it comes out of difference, of not understanding each other's differences, um, you know, the classic big bully picking on the, the young one who has not uh, developed to be the same stature. Um, you know, it goes to the roots of many things in the world. Um, but I think that um, building character can be very proactive in a different way. Um, I have to say that I've been involved with an organization out of California called ChallengeDay.org, and what Challenge Day does is has programs. They've been doing this for over 25, 30 years. They have programs that they bring into schools, and it's an all-day program, and uh, there are about 100 kids, brought together into the multi-purpose room of the gymnasium. And they're taking through a whole structured day. And it's a mix of kids that will perhaps be either the objects of bullying or the bullies themselves. And what the program does is it helps everybody there to tell their story in a safe way And for others to understand that we're all human and we all share certain challenges in our lives, and when it helps to develop a mutuality of respect, that is character building. When people, the bully, in the presence of those being bullied, uh, are humbled to really understand that out of their personal insecurity that they're bullying somebody else they're hurting someone and that that other person that they're bullying is probably might look different than them but we're all human beings when it comes down to it
3: mm-hmm.
2: so um is it character building i would say you know that i'd have to hear more what exactly that means but um I want to bring this back to the writing. If someone were an object of bullying, of that kind of bullying behavior, the the act of writing could serve them so well in terms of helping them to give name to the emotion they're feeling. It could be a combination of anger. It could be fear of what's going to happen to them. It could be a variety of things. And attaching it to that event and helping them to work through their own personal value and their own personal actions in terms of what they can do to help themselves to deal with being an object of bullying. So the writing method would help them in that way if they were the person being bullied. Mm -hmm. If it were the bully who would sit down and get in touch with his or her emotions, and better understand why they're bullying? Is it, I'm going to say, out of a sense of insecurity, that they're going to build themselves up by knocking someone else down? What's the story behind that? And this writing method would help them to get, again, in touch with whatever emotions they're feeling. Is it insecurity? Is it anger because they're being bullied in some other way or they're being bullied at home or what's their story? Because behind every person is a story and what they're experiencing is their reality and how that could help them. The writing method could help them get in touch to sort this out, have greater clarity. They could purge the strong, emotional, stressful feelings and evaluate what matters and how it's undermining what they're doing and really be able to, to come up with a positive plan to identify what matters to them and how they're going to navigate through that. So I think the character building, whether the bully or the bullier, the bully or, bully or the bully E, <laughs> the character building really lies into each of those individuals really examining why they're doing what they're doing. What they're feeling, what's motivating them, and what doesn't they, you know, what do they really, really value in life?
0: I want to hear from your co-author, but first, I want to throw this out there: if everything that you say is true, why are we allowing it from the uh, the leader of the free world? I don't understand how we can continue to allow that. And I'm not saying this in a political; I'm talking strictly behavioral. Why are we allowing this to continue? It just—I just I just don't understand it because all it's doing is it's, it's continuing to divide this nation and the world for that matter. Uh, there's no cohesion in this country right now, which is really unfortunate because a house divided against itself will not stand.
2: So this, you know, I, I think is political and what we bring and what we're here to discuss is a tool to mm-hmm. help people deal with that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a topic that is um, for others to to address um, at the grand scale. We're here trying to help people at the individual level deal with the impact of one's perception of, of what you just said. Okay. So um, So let's let's we're talk. trying to help people have a tool to deal with whatever their perception of stresses. You know, you you talked about the, um, you know, are people victims? And I think what came across loud and clear, I hope, from both Sue and, and myself, is that your perception is your reality. And if you perceive yourself to be a victim, then that's your reality. If you perceive yourself not to be a victim, that's your reality. If you perceive the leaders of the world doing things in a certain way, They're all going to be perceived in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. And what we're here to do with our tool and with our writing method is help people deal with that, whether you're at degree one on the circle of looking at that situation Mm -hmm. or degree 360, because there are many ways of looking at it.
0: Beautiful analogy in that regard, because that's an analogy I use regularly to view an event from as many points on that circle as we possibly can so that we have a broader perspective and understanding. And that's the question that I put out now uh, in terms of this method of writing. Um, Let's talk about the process that you have created between the two of you. Sue, uh, talk to us about Mm -hmm. uh, the creation, Not, not just of the book, but of the method, the steps that you've come to in the book, Write Your Stress Away.
1: Okay. Well, um, Diane and I are both uh, long-term journalers, and we came to a conclusion when we were talking that the journaling was sort of sending us in an endless circle uh, and not making headway in terms of moving ourselves out of a, a, a problem or an issue that we were dealing with at the time. And we decided that our, when we talked to each other, we realized that we journaled, but then we had taken additional steps beyond journaling to help ourselves focus on a healthier uh, lifestyle path. And this all came about, I'll step back just a minute, um, about 20 years ago when Diane was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and we were both feeling really overwhelmed with that diagnosis and um, bombarded with lots of different opinions, and we had decisions to make about our personal health care. And so, the journaling helped us deal with the emotions and the stress of the situation, but it didn't really get us beyond that. And so, we both started um, doing other kinds of writing, which eventually evolved into our 4 step "Write right-to-be-well method, which we talk about in our book, Write Your Stress Away. And um, the, the four steps are, number one, to name the situation that's stressful and to link your emotions with that situation and try to be as detailed as possible. And that's called expressive writing. And there's a a long history um, in terms of the success and the benefits of expressive writing. Um, It is a study that started about 35 years ago with James Pennebaker from the University of Texas, and he was really the first person to link writing and stress and health together. And so the journaling is somewhat similar to expressive writing, not exactly the same, but um, it's basically expressing your story. The main distinction is that with expressive writing, you you link your emotions to the situation. And then we move on to the second step, which we call affirmative writing. And in this step, we set an intention, um, we look at our values, and we establish um, a future-oriented goal um, along with an affirmation. And then the third step is action scripting, where we move then to um, putting SMART goals um, into writing, into a written form, and coming up with an action plan, and then finally doing a reflection, reflective piece to determine whether we are really ready to move forward on those steps. And so this was um, a method that we both had been using. Um, when we put our thoughts together, we realized that it could help other people as well. And so um, that's sort of the birth of the right to be well method.
0: One of the aspects that has been discussed and this goes back for me back to the 80s uh is that we create our own reality and you i think were quite eloquent in your comments uh, um in regard diane in regards to in regards to that in that uh how we perceive perceive the world that's our reality uh and and um that that that's a that's sort of a frustrating perspective to take from the standpoint that wait a minute <laughs> i'm viewing these particular events and i don't like that reality and i've heard this comment uh... said in some training programs i've been in well if you don't like what you're seeing change the channel and is that maybe part of the problem that we don't know how to change the channel and through your uh... write your stress away and the four steps that you've uh, uh, outlined that that is one way of changing the channel. Absolutely,
2: you have hit the nail on the head, <laughs> um, and um, thank you. Um, the first step that Sue describes the expressive writing. Part of the expressive writing step is you first write your story. You just and when we say write. What we mean by writing is you scribble down whatever comes up for you. There's no punctuation that matters. There's no grammar that's going to be evaluated. There doesn't have to be an outline. You don't think about it. You just sit down and do it. And it's best actually to time it and take 15, 20 minutes and just let it flow. And the first step is to write the story in the first person, saying I this, I that, I the other thing. The second step is... To write the story from a third person's view and to take an objective viewpoint, put yourself in what you think, your friend, your family member, what someone else was observe of you. And I think that's the piece where the channel's getting changed. Um, In our book, um, in the third section, we have stories of individuals um, who are actual users of our writing method. Who shared anonymously, or um, yeah, anonymously, shared their their stories and their writing. And the one that comes to mind at the moment is a person whose uh, spouse suddenly died, and was really stuck in the grief and guilt and going through the mourning stages. And when this person wrote their third-party story the story of what a friend saw in him, he was able to change the channel because even though it was the, the widower writing, he put himself into the shoes of his, his good friend, and he took on his good friend's voice, if you will, and was essentially writing down things that he probably heard from his friend, encouraging him as he was dealing with his grief and dealing with his loss. And that spurred action when he went on to the second step, that that third-party view helped him to realize, and the mere fact that he wrote it down, it helped him to realize there was hope for him, and that perhaps because his friend was saying these things to him, he needed to change the channel and stop just listening to his reality that he lost his, his dear wife and that he was all alone in the world. And it really helped him to do that and to get on to changing his attitude, changing his perspective, shifting around that 360 degrees from maybe position one to maybe position 15. But then as he went on and continued with the writing, and it's just heartwarming to read that story because ultimately he continued to write, and he continued to write down what mattered, and he continued to move out by repeating, here's my story today. And this is how my friend would look at me today that he encouraged him to move on. So that's the way of tuning the dial or pushing the button or changing, you know, changing, changing the uh, what we hear and changing that that message.
0: Well, let me ask you, um, Susan, if you would. This method of writing um are we talking about taking pen or pencil in hand to paper, or can this be done on the computer? Can it be done on my tablet or smartphone? Can I dictate it uh, and record it? Is what is the best, most effective method for "quote unquote" writing in this context?
1: Okay. It's um, a really good question, and we've been asked that question before. And studies show that just the act of writing, whether it be pen to paper or pencil to paper or working on a keyboard, uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. The important part about writing is that it's like a, it's a mind-to- body connection. So you're thinking um, about this stress, um, you're thinking about which, how it's affecting your life, and you're then trans, transmitting that to your fingertips, whether it be through the pen or through the computer keyboard, um, they both can be very effective. Um, the, the one thing that we ha- talk about in the book is that the writing doesn't have to be in the formal sense of Expository writing. You don't have to worry about complete sentence structure or even writing in phrases. You can do bullets if that's the most comfortable way for you to capture some of your thoughts and ideas. And we even talk about, you know, sitting, you know, at a counter in a cafe uh, with a cup of coffee in front of you and just jotting down some of, some of these, jotting down the four steps um, in bullet form on a paper napkin. So it all can be extremely effective. It's just the act of transmitting those thoughts that are swimming around in your head um, to paper that makes the difference. It's a form of disclosure. Um, It's a way of naming the stress um, rather than just allowing it to kind of eat away at you Mm -hmm. in that sort of semi-conscious, unconscious stage.
0: I would highly recommend uh, the pen in hand uh, maybe the keyboard on the computer uh, as opposed to maybe doing your smartphone or your tablet only because um, these are to be for the most part these should be these should be they should stay private unless you choose to make them public uh, and the one thing I loved from a movie I was watching there was a guy who was, He he was involved in creating this this app for the phones and everything to do whatever it is he was going to do. And he was sitting in this old car and he was sitting next to this gal and he had this orange or yellow tablet, uh, a a paper and a pencil. And he said, this is the only form of communication that can't be hacked. And I thought (laughs) that would be the way to go now to that end. Uh, how does one overcome the urge to self-edit as they're writing because they're, they, might, they might be afraid that somebody, what happens if somebody reads this? What happens if, if it falls into the wrong hands, the nefarious enemies of whatever? Uh, you know, because when I got my first blank book at the age of 21 and I started journaling, that was one of the thoughts that went through my head. Susan?
1: Yes. Well, it, it, I think it's a fear that a lot of people have. Um, you know, they don't respect confidentiality, and um, I know that I've, I've advised people that if there is a fear of that, um, still write it down, um, burn it up, um, rip it into shreds after you've finished. It's still going to be an effective way of dealing with your emotions and coming up with what you want to do about this particular situation.
0: It's because you've released um, it through the writing, basically, right?
1: Right. Okay. Right. So you don't you don't have to save it. Um, some people, if they want to save their journal, they put in the journal. Um, this is confidential. Please, you know, observe my um, privacy and don't read it. Now, whether someone respects it or not is a whole nother question, but at least it's right there in the front of the journal. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully whoever finds it will will respect it.
0: Diane, how about you?
2: Uh, I can't agree with Sue more. It's a matter of, and we get this question a lot, and we've actually had people call and say, you know, I, I get it, I, I want to try this method, but I'm afraid to write it down, because if I write down the thoughts that are bothering me and the emotions that are bothering me, I cannot imagine what my family or whomever uh, would think of me,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it's, it's not, you know, it's not writing it for prosperity, it is writing it to uh, decouple the, the emotion from your body. And it's expressing it. It's disclosing it. It's getting it out.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. So
2: write it down, burn it up, shred it, do whatever.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, and do it in such a way that it can't be can't be found by another.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and that works. That works. And um, there's a one of the sources we used in our research was a book written by. Uh, a, a psychiatrist who for many years did work with uh, people with trauma, post-trauma. I love the title of his work. It's The Body Keeps the Score, and um, it, it goes at great lengths about the mind-body connection and how emotion held in the body manifests itself in many, t- many ways as disease. Disease of the physical body, disease of the mind, disease of the spirit, and so being able to express that, and if you have to rip it up or burn it up, rip it up or burn it up. But that sheer act of disclosure that goes back to the early roots of psych, you know psych, psychological study with Freud um, is a highly, highly beneficial um, thing to occur for us and for our, our health and well-being. Two mind, things. body, and
0: spirit. And I would add to that two things. Number one, uh, to what you're saying, I would then turn it into a ceremony, turn it into a ritual where you sit maybe for an hour at a particular time of the evening. And if, like in my case, I, we do have a fireplace. And write for 25, 35, 45, if you can do the full hour of, of writing your story, writing this out and releasing it. And then... Placing it in the fire in a ceremonial way that that shows that, you know, so to speak, uh, you, you're honoring those thoughts that you're releasing and, and you're honoring the release of that stress and so forth to make it uh, make it better. And the second thing I wanted to share, rather humorous, it's a it's a it's a scene from uh, a, a play, a one man uh, play called Give Him Hell, Harry. It was performed by James Whitmore. And um, the the scene takes place where his wife is sitting uh, in front of the fireplace and she's tossing his old love letters to her in the fire. And he walks in the room. He says, well, Bess, what are you doing? And she says, well, I'm I'm burning these old letters. He says, well, why? She says, I've read them. He says, well, uh, don't you think you ought to save them? I mean, you know, for posterity, she says, no, I don't think so. And she kept right on throwing them in the fire. And I thought that was hilarious. But it's one of those things where that fire, to me, is a great symbol. You know, a shredder is great, too, but a fire, um, it transforms what you've written. It transforms those emotions into that the ash and the heat and the flame. I think, you know, it's kind of like maybe the mythological uh, phoenix rising from the dead or rising from those ashes. <laughs> How about that?
1: Yeah. I love it. I, th- I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. And I now- like how you, how you turned it into a ritual, which I think can be very meaningful. You're letting it go.
0: We're talking with Susan McCullum and Diane Price. We're talking also about the book that they have collaborated together to bring to your attention, write your stress away, four easy steps, tame the tension in your life. And we're going to continue talking more about this uh, wonderful work and how you can get involved by going to their website, which is... Thegetwellproject.com. Stay tuned. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We'll be right back. Tell me your stories. I'll
3: do my best to
0: understand you. Hey, welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I'll we'll hear with uh, Susan, Sue uh, McCullum, as well as Diane Price, and they are the co-authors together of, of Write Your Stress Away, Four Easy Steps to Tame the Tension in Your Life. And I thank the the two of you for staying with us here on the program. As we talk a little bit more about this process, let's talk about, before we go to break here, let's talk about the Get Well Project. It blends proven scientific research from pioneers in the fields of expressive writing, self-affirmations, action scripting, and reflective writing with actual results from uh, Write to Be Well users. And there's information on your website. But talk to us about this because I, I that was where I was wanting to go next. And that is you say, you know, that this works. Well, that's fine. It works for the two of you in a non-scientific, non-laboratory kind of thing but it's based in, if you will, in science. Susan. Yes. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Diane.
2: Okay. Um, The the Get Well Project is, uh, we're going to call it the umbrella, the overarching theme, and um, our tagline, if you will, for the Get Well Project is get well, be well, and stay well. And we really care about that. Um, Sue described the the process we went through in our life, along with our lifelong friendship, that led us to the writing method. And I want to add to that and stir into that. That was our personal path, professional path. While our professional paths were a bit different, um, they overlap in a big way. Uh, Sue professionally is a licensed counselor, and myself professionally. Um, worked a lot with uh, individuals, groups and organizations, and when I left the corporate world, um, became an integrative health coach. So we bring professionally to um, the writing method and to our work, uh, the consulting, the coaching and the counseling experience that is richly woven through the Get Well project. and uh, the tool, is our writing method, and within that writing method, the writing method is first embodied in the work, um, our current book, uh, Write Your Stress Away, Tame the Tension in Your Life. And stress being such a big part of daily life, whether it's the uh, built-in reaction to a stressor of fight or flight, or whether what has been described today is the unconscious undercurrent of stress because our bodies have not physically evolved beyond fight or fight, and with what goes on in the world and the media, we're in a constant state of, of um, being um, stressed out. Mm-hmm. So the Get Well Project is really a um, structure that we can offer our tool and um, ways to help people deal with the various um, issues they face, whether it's a chronic illness, um, whether it's a um, recent diagnosis, whether it's um, someone wanting to simply address an issue that they've been dealing with and want to optimize their health in some way, the Get Well Project is a resource center for people to be able to do that with the tools that we're providing of um, our book for, for, with starters of, of addressing stress, our right-to-be-well method, um, workshops that we offer, speaking that we offer, uh, coaching and counseling. So, um, but it all centers around what we're really focused on right now is um, use of writing and disclosure to help people to positively um, address what um, they feel they need to address in the moment.
0: Uh, Susan, your comments?
1: Yes, you had asked also about the research. Mm -hmm. Um, behind the method. And so let me just give you a couple of examples. Um, The work that Pennebaker did with expressive writing, um, the first one, as I mentioned earlier, to link writing stress and health, he actually took blood samples from um, his test subjects who were um, willing to participate in this writing project. And he did the, the blood sample before they wrote and the blood sample after they wrote. And he found out that the T lymphocytes um, increased in their blood. And the T lymphocytes are um, what helps us with um, healing. Um, further studies showed that um, when somebody was, uh, they, they actually wounded somebody. Um, some of their test subjects, and then they uh, tested them with, they they wrote, and then they saw how long it took for that wound to heal, and the test subjects that were writing um, healed faster than the ones that weren't (laughs) writing. So Those are just two examples of some, you know, very curious and interesting studies about the expressive writing, which is the first step in our process. And then um, Claude Steele did a lot of research about affirmative writing, and he found out that by writing affirmations, it reminds people of their inner strength and their ability to control a situation, and it reduces um, resistance to unwelcome health information. So it reminds people that they their... Um, that they're what's important to them and um, helps to remind them that they have a lot of inner strength and ability. Hmm. So th- he he was one that we looked at closely when we talked about affirm when we talk about affirmative writing in the book. And then um, also interesting, I think, is the action scripting piece. Um, Locke and Latham. Uh, have a goal setting theory, which is the the foundation, really, of goal setting theory, and they discovered that people that have specific goals outperform those that have vague goals, and so that's why we included um, writing go- writing down your goals, writing smart goals, which are specific and measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound, which is what smart stands for, uh, because by writing those goals, you are going to have a greater chance of succeeding in reaching the goals. And and then in terms of the last step about reflective writing, research shows that it supports learning and promotes insight. And so we wanted to include that as a way of giving the writers an opportunity to reread everything that they've written so far and decide whether they really are ready to commit to making the change that they've outlined in their action plan. If they aren't, then they need to go back and um, rework it so that it's, um, they, they reach a point where they are willing to commit and move forward.
0: Um, I have uh, been introduced to to, uh, this concept, and I find it interesting, uh, Susan, when you were talking about this one particular um, researcher, if you will, who and how he chose to extract the blood from these people who were doing this to test it for the T-cells and all of these other um, uh, biological uh, impacts. Um, I've been introduced to a concept where uh, in England— I think it's in London, there is a, there's a school there that teaches the children Sanskrit, teaches them how to write it, how to read it, not necessarily, but probably how to speak it as well, for, not for the purposes of learning Sanskrit specifically in an attempt to bring it back to life, but in terms of rewriting the, the pathways, the synapses, if you will, in the brain to open their brains, their minds up to greater possibilities. Uh, And it seems to me uh, that I'm wondering, has that also been a study in terms of uh, this, this writing your stress away in terms of the act of writing your story, putting this stuff down on in whatever format. uh, Have there been studies on the brain, Susan, that uh, uh, that have shown that this is also part of the process?
1: Um, the, the one thing that I can think of is, um, the studies on, on changing habits, um, which is all, which is a way of rewiring the brain. Um, there is an author by the name of Henrietta Closser who wrote a book called Write It Down, Make It Happen. And she talks about the, um, RAS, or the reticular activating system, which is at the base of the brain, and how it um, helps to filter incoming information so that um, when we write something down, it's marked as being urgent and um, does start to, to change the way that we're thinking in our brain. Um, Also, there's studies about uh, neuroscience, neuroplasticity, about rewiring our brain. Um, Those are two examples I can think of, and maybe I'll turn that over to Diane to elaborate a little bit more. I'm not familiar with the Sanskrit study, but um, I think it sounds fascinating that they are um, testing this out with children in terms of rewiring the brain. Mm -hmm. The science is there that we can rewire brains. Which is very encouraging because as we get older, um, you know, there's no longer the belief that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You certainly can, mm-hmm. and you can continue to um, increase the neural pathways in your brain.
0: So, Diane, what's your what's your perspective?
2: Um, I think Sue has summed it up, and um, there is a lot of work in no- neuroscience that has shown. I, I can't, off the top of my head, identify any particular studies, but we certainly, when we did the research on the book, behind the book, um, we and connected the dots of pulling this various research together, um, the neuroscience piece is a big part of it in terms of um, rewiring the brain, and it's both a... Um, you know, a physical activity and the the repetition that's involved in repeating a new way of doing things. So the Sanskrit writing, uh, I, I too, am not familiar with that particular event, but um, it makes a lot of sense, and it's aligned certainly with the research that uh, we're familiar with of um, introducing a new and different way of doing things, and you have to repeat it many times, and ultimately uh, create new new neural pathways um, to move on and uh, really help the, the mind, body, and the spirit. So, it makes a lot of sense. I'll be interested in uh, seeking that out and learning more about that.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting, and it was through uh, a, a Swami who lives here uh, part-time in uh, Santa Barbara, actually uh, in, a monas- in a monastery, if you will, uh, in Montecito, uh, with the uh, Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship, which is sort of a branch off from Paramahansa Yogananda's work uh, that he brought through, and of course people can read about in Autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, and I just th- I thought, wow! And then, of course, I did some research in sound and music, and of course, I came across the Mozart effect, and and what that does. Yeah. And I, of course, my first question was, why Mozart? Why not Beethoven or Bach or or any of the other great composers, uh, you know, of that era or of of today? And um, and so, it's just been fascinating to do to talk with people about these different concepts that are going to help us to. I think uh, facilitate our own evolution and move us forward to where not to say that there's anything wrong with writing into the 29th century if we survive that long. But um, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact of the matter is it's all about our story. You talked about that at the beginning of the program where We talked about uh, you talked about writing down your story and my story is what it is today, as opposed to two days ago, two years or 20 years or even 40 years ago. Uh, And uh, it just to me, it's just absolutely uh, fascinating. And, of course, the whole aspect of stress, all you have to do is take a look at, uh, say, just for example, take the take a look at the stress that you put on, say, your vehicle. My wife and I went to Yosemite. Uh, for Thanksgiving or just outside Yosemite and then drove up into the snow a little ways and of course you're going up I don't know how many thousands of feet maybe it's only two or three but nonetheless we're putting stress on the truck well of course the truck is designed for those kinds of conditions whereas you know a a commuting vehicle like a I don't know a Volvo or or whatever other type of four-door sedan isn't designed for those kinds of conditions And so you're putting that vehicle under a great deal of stress. Well, the vehicle can't then write out its story (laughs) and release the stress. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But we have that plasticity. Is that the right word? We have that flexibility to release that stress and tension. Um, I've even heard this concept of uh, metal stress and that they, you know, like on maybe a bridge or a building. And and uh, it can be stressed in one direction. If it's put back into its original form, you know, however that would be, then you take the stress off. But then you also have uh, situations where the metal can break because it has reached its uh, it's reached its breaking point. It has been stressed so many times, and that's what happens to us, isn't it? If we don't find a way to release that stress, Diane.
1: You're, absolute, you're absolutely
2: right, Richard. It's, um, I think the, the, the vision you're creating by describing your truck and the metal fatigue and those different things is, is um, a great image for us to think of in that if there is no release for the stress that we feel, for the emotion that we feel, then something has to give. Something has to happen. And it has been shown in many, many, many um, research events that it can manifest as disease. Um, It can manifest as mental illness. It can manifest in a variety of ways. And that there is huge value to release it. You know, many people who um, exercise, and it's been shown that if you run or exercise, endorphins are released. And there are stress hormones that are released within the body, and there are ways to manage those stress hormones. And running, for example, is is a way that many people help to manage that stress that they feel. Um, And that's highly valuable. Uh, Yoga, tai chi, there are a whole host of things to help manage your stress. What we really, really hope for the world is that people who, can, who feel akin to using writing and to using our four-step method can use the method to really understand the root cause of their stress and do something about it and at the same time really choose what uh, other stress management tools that are meaningful for them in their life. Not everybody's a runner, but if you are and it works, go for it. But maybe you're uh, also a person who meditation works for you. If that's the case, do that in combination with getting to the heart of the matter, to the root of what your issue is, and setting that clear goal for the future, and really creating that measurable plan, and using writing to help yourself have the confidence to change it and believe in yourself to do it.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: by, and it might involve, re, you know, changing a habit. And that goes back to, you know, it goes back to the neuroplasticity of the brain and, and repeating, um, changing an action and repeating that new action until ultimately your reptile brain
0: Yes. And moving
2: you forward.
0: Oh, great. We just lost you there for a moment, but you're back. One of the things that I wanted to comment on, um, as a kid growing up in school, as I mentioned, I was bullied. And I had actually, I guess, three choices. One, I could have have fought the bully, which didn't appeal to me because I could have gotten beaten up myself. Uh, The other one was to stand there and take it which initially i did and then the third was to learn how to run so i was really good in track and field i want you to know um and and so um it's that was my release if you will was learning to run i i bicycled as well that's how i got to and from school and 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 that seemed to work for me i i you know, I still probably have uh, uh, some underlying issues regarding that, uh, uh, especially in our day and age. But what, what would you, how would you evaluate what's going on in our country today in particular? If, if we as young people, and I'm talking the grade school and high school, uh, if, if they have a certain level of Uh, A plasticity or flexibility as we've said before even more so than we adults because we adults now we've sort of been ingrained with the whatever it is that we've been ingrained with right the 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 that that indoctrination Mm -hmm. that programming uh as we have grown up but kids haven't quite gotten there yet and yet we're hearing of one case after another of situations in schools in particular where kids have reached that breaking point for whatever reason, and a lot of times it is because they've been pushed and pushed and pushed. And, and it's like I went all the way through grade school and high school, and I, I guess I found my release. And, and maybe that's the problem is these kids haven't found their release. And so these kids are breaking and they're lashing out. Can you talk to us about that? And maybe these kids should start writing their stress away at an early age.
1: Well, that's that's true, Richard. I um, I have one example to share with you, and that is of a nephew that I have, who's just eight years old, who in fact was bullied when he was in first grade, and it was very traumatic for him, um, and it he that sort of sat in his body, you know, for quite a while, until one of his teachers encouraged him as. He got a little bit older um, to see if he could do a very simple book about um, what whatever he wanted to, and he actually chose that as his topic. And he continues to write that little story over and over again. So it's not one that you know he can easily dismiss, or that anybody can easily dismiss. But there's a certain amount of uh, not only pride in putting the story together and sharing it with his parents and um, his classmates, but um, I think that he is slowly working his way through the situation that happened to him. And it kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand too, with what we call strength-based therapy. Um, he has dealt with this issue or he's dealing with the issue, but at the same time, he's getting some positive feedback about some other talents that he possesses, which are to create the story, to draw the pictures, to put it into simple language. And I think that that is one way to help bring about some healing, um, to not focus only on the negative um, we can't dismiss it, but to also try and build up other aspects of our person that um, help us realize that we are multifaceted and that's not the only story of our life.
0: There is the story of the two wolves, and uh, it is, the question is asked uh, of these two wolves who are fighting— which one's going to win? And of course, the answer is the one you feed. And it seems to me, through the writing process, you tend to tend to feed the white wolf, but the black wolf is still there. It's always going to be there because that's part of who we are. We're we're made up of of these 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 parts, uh, 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 shades of gray as well as uh, light and dark, if you will. And it all depends upon which part we we feed that determines what we're going to do, the choices that we're going to make. And the contribution to our civilization that we're going to make. When we write, we should be writing about those things as well from, again, from from our inner self, right? Susan? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay. No, I think that's a a great analogy. Um, We do have the black wolf and the white wolf inside of us. And uh, we have to choose which one we're going to feed yeah. And when we're young, um, as in children who are dealing with bullying, um, they need some help in, well, we probably all do at different stages of our life, need help in feeding the white wolf. Because the black one can just overtake us um, if, we go, if we choose to go down that path.
0: Diane, your perspective, your thoughts. I know you agree with her, but let's hear uh, what you have to say.
2: The the act of writing certainly helps to bring out the light and the dark, and to get in touch with that. So, um, think I have anything much more to say that uh, I think you both said it quite well.
0: First, I want to ask you, uh, Diane, how did you? What was the catalytic moment in your young life that? that uh, led you down this particular path of study, of research, of career, of of vocation, if you will, and then also, of course, course ultimately led to your uh, uh, becoming good friends with uh, with, uh, Susan and has now led you here to this program where you're talking about write your stress away.
2: Wow, that's, if you've got a day or so, <laughs> <laughs> I can take you down the, the path. But Sue and I, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, writing has always been a part of my life. Uh, it's always been a natural inclination for me to write um, my uh, a, the better part of 30 years, I was in um, management strategy, organizational, and information technology consulting. And you might say, how in the world did you get to where you are now, uh, you know, with that as a professional background? But um, Sue and I have always, we've been friends for a very long time, and Sue and I have always um, shared a great deal of um, interest in health and wellness and well-being, not only for ourselves, but our family and friends. Um, We've both shared in writing, and writing has always been a part of my life. Um, uh, There's one little anecdote in the book that I share that I was probably five or six years old, and I was um, upset about something and had scribbled a little note and put it in a little pink suitcase that lived in my closet. And probably when I was 12 years old, I was cleaning out the closet in the little pink suitcase and found this sprawling note. Um, my love, fast forward, My uh, when I decided to leave, leave the cul- corporate world and really focus on this love for health and well, well-being well and um, uh studied at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, the um, integrative health and became an integrative health coach, um, that solidified my love for this. And, um, you know, Sue can share her story, but we overlapped very, very boldly. Um, and that's what brought us today to, you know, we, we care to share this with the world. And our book is really dedicated to people of the world that they can find help, hope, and, and um, peace and wellness uh, from writing. So um, it's born, the path that got me here um, might not look like a straightforward path that I was inspired at a young age to be. Be, uh, here, writing this book today, it was really a, a combination of things throughout my life that um, wanting to give back. Um, we really hope this tool will help other people to um, find find um, solace in using writing as a really simple tool to be able to help them uh, improve their health and achieve what what they need to, and help them to deal with whatever life is you know, they're faced with.
0: And Susan, you know, I'm coming to you for the same question.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I figured you were. I was thinking about it. Um, I started off um, always enjoying writing from the time I was probably about 10 years old. And my father, I believe it was, encouraged me to uh, do a little neighborhood newspaper. And so I remember going and knocking on neighbors' doors and um, interviewing them and then putting it into writing and then going back a couple of days later and trying to sell them the same newspaper for like a nickel. <laughs> um, but it was a, a fun activity and kind of grew throughout the years into you know being on the high school newspaper and yearbook. And so that writing thread continued um, when I started my career as an English and journalism teacher and then moved on to um, working in the nonprofit world as a grant writer um, and then finally um, deciding to go into um, therapeutic counseling and um, the writing though has always you know been that strong thread throughout all of my little digs and jobs throughout life. Um, so that's where that's where I am today. Um, I in the the counseling field, um, one of the highlights of that experience was traveling to Malawi, Africa, um, with a group of writers, and we took our um, writing to the um, Malawian women and asked them to tell their stories in writing. And this was the first time they'd really ever been asked to tell their stories, and some of their stories were quite traumatic, and they found it to be very healing and very affirming, and it convinced me that there is a lot um, to say about the power of writing um, when it is connected to um, health and wellness, and I use that journaling and those experiences um, in my private practice as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's extraordinary what the two of you have created, uh, both uh, through the the website as well as through the work of this book and the four steps that you've laid out for us in Write Your Success Away. Tame the tension in your life, Diane Price, uh, Susan McCullum, and we thank you so much for joining us. Diane and Susan, it's been great to have you on the program, and uh, should the two of you find yourselves down here in the Santa Barbara area, hey, I think it'd be kind of fun to have you in studio to to continue this conversation and maybe even dive into some of those areas that, uh, that we uh, um, kind of touched upon in terms of some of these other um, uh, neurological, if you will, or brain sciences that, that are showing us that uh, we can change. Uh, I, I often argue that with people saying, you know, because you, the, there are those who say we can't. I mean, that's, you know, like, for example, they'll, they'll use the prison system and the recidivism rate and so on and so on and so on. And I'm going, well, then why do you send your kids to school? That is an evolutionary process. So, uh, and you're tr- teaching your kids different rules and so forth for living in your home. That's an evolutionary process. It sounds to me like uh, the brain has enough elasticity in it and flexibility. We can rewrite the pathways, we can rewrite the program. And uh, we can uh, rewrite our future. It does not have to be a future without hope, a dim and gloom and doom, uh, or of victimhood, for that matter. So I applaud the two of you for the work that you're doing.
3: Well, thank you you so much,
0: Richard. Uh, Before we let you go, I uh, do have three questions for each of you. I'm going to bounce back and forth so the second person will have the opportunity of thinking about it while the first is answering. And um, so the first question goes to you, Diane. Diane, who is Diane Price?
2: Diane Price is a caring individual who wants to give back to the world.
0: And uh, Susan, who is Susan McCollum?
1: Susan McCollum is a um, nurturing, caring person. Um, who is concerned about other people.
0: And Susan, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now?
1: I hope to introduce writing to people and, and uh, introduce them to the power of writing to change um, and improve their health.
0: And, uh, Diane, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
2: To help people recognize there's a different way of looking at health. Uh, It's not just the absence of illness. Uh, Health and well-being is a choice. And that through lifestyle and choices we make about lifestyle, we can... um, really fully live and engage uh, in this world while we're on this earth.
0: And my final question for the two of you, Diane, what is your life's purpose?
2: My life's purpose is to live joyfully, to share love, to mutually respect others, uh, to care for the environment, and to give back as I live.
0: And Susan, what is your life's purpose? My life purpose is to um,
1: belong 100% to the family of mankind, um, to participate fully in a positive way, um, to support and love um, my family and friends, and to give back.
0: Well, Susan McCullum and Diane Price, thank you again for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for joining us for Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. A reminder, the website to go to for Uh, Not only a copy, I'm sure it's available on Amazon and all the other outlets. Write your stress away. It's four easy steps. Tame the tension in your life. The website is thegetwellproject.com. We will be linked to it as well, so you'll have no problem finding it. And until next time, love to lull.